Right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at my house at Cycle Ship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on practicing his presence. I believe this is part four, and we will have at least a part five next week, and so uh, we're not going to get everything done this week. So, just so you know, again, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And with all that said, let's go ahead and jump right in into our, our message this morning. And this morning I want to start a little different than I normally do. I want to share a little uh, testimonial story from Andrew Womack. And Andrew, I forget what year this was, but uh, he was in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and uh, he was preaching at a conference that he has here every year. And uh, this one particular session, he notices a... a um, girl in the front row, and she was just totally excited and ecstatic and on fire for God, and, and so she just he just invited her on the platform to give her testimony. And it was just a spontaneous uh, thing. And as she's sharing her testimony, almost every other word was a cuss word, and the, the people were gasping and and uh, whatnot. And she she said, "Did I say something wrong?" And Andrew said, no, you didn't do anything wrong, keep going. But afterwards, some of the people questioned Andrew, why would he allow someone like that on the platform to keep cussing every other word? And his response to them was, and some of you might not like this response, but he said, do you know, do you know what? God was more pleased with that testimony than he's been with yours in the last 20 years. Some of you are straight at the gun barrel and twice as empty. You have the mannerisms and behaviors, but your heart is on fire for God. You've never cut except when you smash your thumb or something goes wrong. You just learned how to control yourself in church. This woman loves God with all her heart, and her brain just hasn't caught up yet. And now I know I didn't say that with the sudden accent that Andy would do, but then he goes on and says, when I returned a year later, because like I said, he goes there every year, the same woman came up to me and she apologized saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know Christians didn't talk like that. I've been out in the world, I was a prostitute, and thought everybody talked like that. I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. So why did I start out with a testimony like that? You know, Andrew in his book, uh, Staying Full of God, he talks about how you know, it's the condition of the heart that dictates how we act. And we're going to be talking a lot about the heart this morning. We're talking about practicing this presence, and it fits in with what we're talking about the heart. And, 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 and bear with me as I set the stage for this. You know, our actions, the things that we say, the things that we do, are byproducts of the heart. Now, how could this gal who was giving her testimony cussing every other word, because uh, out of the abundance of the heart doesn't the mouth speak? Yes. But this was a new believer who had just come out of the world. We're not excusing it, but the, 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 the behavior, the actions, the things that we say and do are the, the, are the byproducts of the heart. See, religion, <coughs> excuse me, let me let me back up. In in First Samuel, the Lord said to Samuel, <coughs> excuse me, do not look at his 
appearance or his, uh, his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see man's deeds, but a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, religion focuses on external things, how we act and how we behave. And it causes hypocrisy. Okay? Emphasis on conforming to the standards. Uh, um, let me back up. Let me, let me, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a bit. See, when we evangelize, when we reach people for Jesus, we catch the fish, but we allow God to clean them up. And they don't always get cleaned up overnight. Okay? As Andrew said, her heart was on fire for God. Her brain hadn't caught up with that yet. And the, the, the process her, she was definitely on fire for God and loved God with all of her heart. But there's some mannerisms, there's some behavior that still needed to be worked on. And God was working on that. And God's not so concerned about the behavior as he has the heart. At the same point in time, Andrew and I, we're not endorsing ungodliness. We're not endorsing those who speak the people to cuss when giving their testimony or for cuss for any matter. But the point I'm trying to bring out here in this introduction to where I'm going this morning is that, that God looks at the heart. And sometimes, sometimes we are so, in the church especially, we are so quick to judge. But we don't know the heart like God does. Okay? And some people try, in other words, let me, let, me, let me restate something. We try to change the actions first without changing the heart first. See, God wants to change your heart first and then your actions, what you say and what you do. See, actions are the byproduct of the heart. Actions are not the driving force of the heart. They follow the heart. Right actions are a byproduct of a relationship with God. And a year later, and I, I don't think you even speak that wrong, <coughs> but this woman who just became born again, her actions did change. She wasn't cussing like she was on the platform that day. She just got born again. She just received Jesus. And Sometimes when, when all the junk that's still in our old mind, our old self, still comes out. And we need to be patient with people as God is changing their heart and in time changing their behavior and their actions. Okay. Again, I'm not endorsing the godliness, but I'm saying it must come from the heart. If all we do is change people's actions, but their, their heart never changes, did we really accomplish anything? Okay? And it has to come from the heart if it's going to please God. Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Okay? And so, and again, this is prerequisite to where I'm going, but you can do the right things. You can do the right things without love. And according to Corinthians, it profits you nothing. 
even when we're discipling, mentoring new believers. And even believers who have been around for a while. Where am I going with this? Well, we've been talking the last several weeks from Romans 121 about four different things that can lead to a darkened heart or can lead to a heart that's full of God. And these are four steps that we glorify Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And then the last point is their foolish hearts were darkened. And that's kind of what we're focused on right now. A darkened heart. This girl, Miss Testimony, her heart was darkened. <laughs> she was coming out of that. And in the moment, in the context, she was glorifying God as God. She was very thankful. And that hadn't caught up yet. <clears throat> okay? But she was coming out of that. And so God was teaching her. And it's our jobs, uh, uh, the older teaching the younger, the older in Christ, the ones who have been around for a while, that we need to have long-suffering and patience as we, 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 we bring people up. And I'm not so much even talking about that. I'm just, this was an illustration that Mother talked about the condition of the heart. God is concerned about the heart. The heart is a big deal. Okay? And so, um, so we've been talking a lot about, from this passage, about... These four categories that can lead to a darkened heart are a heart that's full of God. And what is a darkened heart? A darkened heart is a heart that's, in, first of all, it's insensitive to God. It's not even, it's not even acknowledging God as God. It's insensitive to God. It no longer responds to God. It doesn't hear God's voice. It's, it's a hardened heart. And we'll, we'll go back to this verse. And, in a little while, but in Ephesians 4, it says, This I say, therefore, testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. We'll pick you back on that in a minute. In the futility of their mind. Having the understanding darkened. Same, same concept. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their hearts. Okay? Understanding. Being darkened. A darkened heart. <coughs> Excuse me. Understanding can also be interpreted as imagination. Okay? Or it can lead to imagination. It feeds your imagination. Okay? But the blindness of the heart. Okay? What's a blind heart? See, a blind heart is a heart that's not able to see God. It's not, it's not able to perceive God. It's not able to listen or hear from God. And that's not... See, this is not how God created us to live. God did not create man, mankind, to live like this. A heart that's darkened, alienated from the life of God, with a blind heart. God did not create us to live like this, to live like the Gentiles. And we'll take you back for that in a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. See, most People, most Christians, even live from the natural, the mental, the emotional, the physical, external things. Okay? Natural, and they allow their natural minds to be, be the driving force in their lives and their decisions and their appetites and whatnot. 
Most of us make decisions based on external information or natural information. Okay? God did not create us to live by natural, with a natural mindset. Okay? God didn't create us to live this way. God gave us the ability, the capability to process information. So let me back. God didn't create us to live being naturally minded. And I'll get back to that. At the same point in time, God did give us a natural mind. God did give us a capability to process information. For example, if you're driving a car or flying an airplane and I'm in that vehicle with you, in that moment, in that time, I do want you to use your natural mind. Okay? In driving that car and flying that plane. And so we have the capability to, to, to process information naturally, and rightfully so, while we're still on this planet. Okay? But man was created to be in fellowship with God. We're talking about processing the presence of God. And God created us to have fellowship with Him, a relationship with Him. And He speaks to us in our spirit. This goes back to the teaching spirit, soul, and body. The part of us that's born again. Our flesh is not born again. Our natural mind is not born again. <coughs> our spirit man is born again, and I'll, I'll pick you back on that. In other words, we're supposed to be led totally by the spirit of God. Church, as believers, we have the spirit of God, and we're none of his. According to the book of Corinthians. But, and we are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. We're spirit-filled believers. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. God's supposed to be leading us by His Spirit, by His voice. My sheep know my voice. Okay? And we're supposed to be led. And He leads our spirit. He leads us by our spirit, by our hearts. See, God created us for fellowship with Him. But sin, through Adam, came into the world. And that communion, that fellowship, that relationship was broken. And our spirit man, when Adam sinned, the spirit man died. And became separated and alienated from the life of God. Okay? See, death. When someone dies. See, in one sense, no one ceases to ever exist. Even if you die and you're not a believer, you, you still exist. You're just going to be in either heaven or you're going to be in hell. You don't cease to exist. Your body will decay. Your body will become be, return to death. See, death is really separation from this body. When you die, your spirit, your soul, leave your body. You still exist. Whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell, you still exist. Your body will decay and turn to dust, but you still exist. And you, you become separated from your body, but you still exist. Okay? And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, excuse me, it says, And you made alive, he, and you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
We were dead. When we, before we became born again like this gal, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive again. We were dead, but now we're alive. See, we were still functioning while we were unsaved. Our spirit hadn't left our body yet, but our spirit was dead. Okay? And we were separated from the life of God. We were separated from our body. We were separated from the life of God. When we became born again, we're now made alive again in Christ Jesus. Okay? And through, because through, see, God created man with a relationship with God. Sin broke that relationship. And then Jesus came to restore that relationship back. Jesus provided a way to live again. Because without Jesus, we are all spiritually dead. Alienated from the life of God. Jesus provided a way, a way back into relationship with God. And we call this righteousness. Jesus, again, Jesus provided a way back into relationship with God. And we're talking about in this study... Processing the presence of God. Processing His presence. Jesus restored that relationship. We call that righteousness. Okay? We, and, and, but man, even though we're born again, <coughs> I'm talking about Christians here, but man continues to, to rule their lives without God. They're born again, but they allow their natural mind, they allow their flesh to make decisions and control and dominate their lives and not God. Because, and I'm going to build this, many people, including people in the church, and that's, that's who we want to talk to. They live on based on external things. Just like Samuel, where God looks at the heart. But most of us base most of our lives, most of the things that we do, based on external natural things. And as born-again believers... We're supposed to be able to allow our hearts that have been born again to dictate and dominate our lives instead of our carnal, natural minds. Are you following me? Am I making sense so far? I'm still kind of developing this. See, again, sorry, I just want to make sure I skip something here. Okay. In Romans 8 6, we've shared, looked at this verse before. To be carnally or to be naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Another way of looking at that is from 2 Corinthians. <coughs> See, we are supposed to be walking by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by his faith. Okay? But very few Christians do this on a daily regular, habitual basis as a lifestyle 
walk by faith and not by sight. Most of us live commonly minded, naturally minded, and not spiritually minded. But many of us go back and forth, and James calls that double-mindedness. Okay, we'll get there. i got a little ahead of myself. I'm going to come back to some of this, but before I, I go further, I want to throw in something here. You know, just last week, most of us celebrated Pentecost Sunday. It was the, 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 the Sunday that we reserved for Pentecost, but, I mean, you know, Pentecost has been happening since God poured out his spirit upon all flesh. Okay? And now, Jesus said, in John 14, 15, and 16, three chapters, Jesus spent a lot of time before he went to the cross talking about the Holy Spirit who would come. And the Holy, he talked about how the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. He would lead us into all truth. He would bring all things to our remembrance. And he would show us things to come. John 14, John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance. We talked a lot about remembrance last week. All things that I said to you. And John 16, 13 says, However, when the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Church, we are living in the last days. We are living in the church age. We are living in the days of the finished work of the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And most of us are not allowing the Spirit of God to lead us, to be our helper, to teach us all things, to bring things to our remembrance that God has said, to guide us in all truth and tell us of things to come. Most of us are not drawing our spiritual from our spiritual man's potential. Our spiritual, our spiritual man, Jesus says to Nicodemus, those who are born of the flesh are flesh, and those who are born of the spirit are spirit. We are spirit. We've been recreated in Christ Jesus. Our spiritual man has been born again. And most of us are not letting the Spirit of God to be our teacher, to be our reminder, to be our guide, and to be our tell us things to come. We're not doing this on a regular basis. Some of us will do this when we're in a crisis, but we don't do it on a regular basis. Jesus said he didn't do anything he didn't see the Father do. Jesus spent a lot of time praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead him. We need to do likewise. Okay? Where am I, where am I going here with this? We need to listen to him. We're talking about processing the presence of God. We need to process his presence. <coughs> we need to allow him to teach us. We need to allow him to remind us and to guide us and, and to tell us what we need to do, the things to come. We need to let him show us things to come. And that's a big one right there. A lot of us are making decisions and we've never asked him. Who's considered a problem? Okay. We need to allow him to be our te teacher, our helper, our guide. We need to process his presence. If you can't hear God, the Spirit of God, in small matters, on a daily basis, 
you won't be able to hear him in bigger things. When it's all chaotic. When you haven't learned to be led by the Spirit of God. God wants to speak to your heart. God can speak to you. Does God speak in audible ways? Yes, he can and has. Does God speak to nature? God's spoken to a donkey once. God can speak to children. God can speak to nature. But God always speaks to your spirit. He always speaks from the Holy Spirit to your born-again spirit. He's always speaking there. He's speaking to you spirit to spirit. Can he speak to your natural mind? Yes. But he's always speaking to your spirit. He's always speaking to your heart that is born again. But we're not all listening. Okay. Let me build this case. In Ephesians chapter 4, I talk, I've taught this a lot in the past. But I really just want to zero in on one phrase here. But let me read a little bit of the context. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. That you put off the concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to his evil lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now let me back up for just one moment before I get to where I want to get to. I taught him this a lot that we are to learn the truth. And the truth that we are to so learn is that we put off the old man, and in the spirit of our mind, we put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I taught on that a lot, and I'll be teaching on that again soon, uh, not too far from here. Okay? But, for now, for this study, for the day, I want to focus on this phrase, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind. Folks, we have two minds. We have a natural mind, and we have a spiritual mind. Okay? Corinthians says it this way, we have the mind of Christ. Okay? God will speak to you, but he'll speak to you in the spirit of your mind. Again, he can speak to you naturally. And he has at times to people, but he always speaks to you spirit to spirit. He speaks to you in the spirit of your mind. That's where you have the mind of Christ. And God will speak to you spirit to spirit so you can make decisions based on your spiritual mind, not your natural mind. Again, we have two minds. That's why those, some, most, most people live double-minded. Because in, in one moment, they're living, out, they're, they're living out of their natural mind, and their spiritual mind, they're like a ping-pong ball going back and forth. And they're double-minded, and all, they're unstable in all the ways. <coughs> okay? Again, we can be carnally minded, or we can be spiritually minded. We have two minds. 
Being carnally minded is death. Being spiritually minded is life of peace. And when we do it, when we combine both, we're double minded. And we're unstable in every decision we make and everything that we're doing. Okay? See, the spiritual mind is the master. It's the, it's, it should be in control if we're born again. Our born-again spirit is alive. It's born again. We're a new creation in Christ. Okay? But the natural mind is the processor. Okay? They're, they're working together, but we're not being double-minded. We're being spiritually minded. Okay? We take in, we take natural inflammation in, but our, we need to allow our spiritual mind, our heart, to make the decisions, not our natural mind. Am I making sense? Your heart, your heart, that's what we're talking about, has the ability to see, has the ability to hear, it has the ability to think, it has the ability to decide, make decisions. We can, can and should live from our heart, not our head. Okay? See, society is big on the head, not the heart. Look at our educational system. Huge focus from the world is on education. Edu the science society the world exalts education. I'm not telling you we're supposed to be uneducated. But I don't exalt education. I exalt Jesus. The spirit of truth. The society exalts the news. Again, information. Worldly information coming in. The media. Social media. And all kinds of stuff. It's all carnal mindedness, which is death. It's natural. Okay? God wants you to live from your heart, your spiritual mind. That's where God wants you to live. In Him we live and we move and we have our being. So, if this is true, everything I said was really just a setup, how do we live this way? How do we live from the heart and not the flesh, the natural? Let's go back to Ephesians real quick. This I say, therefore, and testify to the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fertility of their mind. Gentile. Well, technically, yeah, it's a non-Jew. Non but let's, let's look at it from a different angle. A Gentile is also someone who's outside God's covenant. And we're born again. We are of Christ. We are of Abraham's seed. We are God's covenant people through Jesus Christ. And I have I can develop all that. I'm not gonna develop, I'm not gonna spend all that time right now. But we and another way of looking at Gentile when you see it, especially in the New Testament, is look at it as that we are God's covenant people. Okay? We don't need to live like the world. We don't need to live like people who don't have a covenant with God. In the fertility in the, of their minds. Okay? Those who don't have a covenant relationship with God, they think and live differently. Excuse me. We have a covenant relationship 
and our walk. We're talking about practicing His presence, and our walk should not be the facility of our minds like the, like the world. <coughs> okay? <coughs> See, the mind is not so much the issue, it's the heart. See, let's go, let's, let's develop this. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. Every issue you have in this life, and some of you have a lot of issues, they come from your heart. All the issues that are in your life come from your heart. And because that's true, we need to listen to God who is speaking to our hearts by His Spirit in our inner man. We need to be directed by the Spirit of God. We need to be directed by the Spirit of God who is speaking to our hearts and not be led by our brain and emotions. Okay. Most Christians are living like those who don't know God. Most of us are living like Gentiles or those who don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a covenant with God. And we're living like them. And then we wonder why we're getting the same results as they are. Because we're living the same way. We're thinking the same way. We're processing. We're making decisions the same way. And the fatality of our minds. Okay. This girl that we gave a testimony, she was living like a Gentile, like the world. She came out of that, and she, her, she was being transformed by the renewing of her mind, and that was a process. She was getting there. She was glorifying God as God. She was being thankful, and God was changing her imagination, and her heart was becoming enlightened. And that, that is a process. But most Christians are living like those who don't know God. And they're wondering why they're seeing the same results in their families, in their finances, in their bodies, in their certain things. But the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks, as a man thinks, in his heart, so is he, eat and drink, and he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Okay? But most of us, how we think in our heart, so are we. How are you thinking? Naturally minded or spiritually minded? Okay? Start thinking like a new creation in Christ. Start thinking like a Christian. Start thinking like a believer. We're believers. We believe. Start thinking like a child of God. Start thinking like the cross of Jesus Christ did something, changed something, transformed and revolutionized something. Get, practice the presence of God. And you'll get spiritual results, not Gentile results. Because if you're naturally minded, you're going to, it is death. But if you are spiritually minded, it's life and peace. I kind of quote it from here, but I beseech you therefore from Romans chapter 12, by the mercies of God that you present. 
present your body as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed like a Gentile. But be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. So that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you will know the perfect will of God. Okay? Don't walk in the vanity of your mind like the Gentiles. Okay, let's go back here. Like the Gentiles. Okay, don't walk like them. Whose heart is darkened. Remember, we're also going from Romans 121. I don't have a screen right now. But they're not they glorified God as God. They're not faithful. Their imaginations have become vain. And their heart has become darkened. Don't walk that way with a darkened understanding. Like the Gentiles. Being blinded in your heart. Okay? See, these things that I'm teaching this morning on both the negative sense and both the positive sense, they're interrelated. Your, your mind and your heart, they're interrelated. And because they're interrelated, I have a question. How do you process information? Do you process information you receive through your natural mind or through your spiritual mind? If you process information through your limit, through your, through your natural mind, you will limit God in your life. If you process information through your natural mind only, you'll become insensitive to God, and your heart will become hardened. Now, a hardened, a hardened heart will not see miracles. A hardened heart will not see the salvation of God come in their lives. I'm not talking about necessarily being born again. I'm talking about seeing the benefits of salvation. Wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. It can include a hard heart not receiving God altogether. There's, you know, this list that we look at in Romans 21 is, is, is a pathway to those who become reprobate. And turn away from God. You go down that path long enough, you will become reprobate. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1, and the writer of Hebrews talks about it in, in, in the book of Hebrews. I think it's chapter 6. Okay? I'm not going to teach and dwell on that right now. Or you can flip the coin, and you can use these principles to before God, and being led by the Spirit of God, and allowing God to do exploits it through you. Doing all kinds of stuff. Miracles. Signs and wonders. Through you, as God intended the church to be and live. Okay? We can go backwards, being alienated from God, or we can be full of God, and Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever think or imagine according to His power, His fullness, who is at work in us. Okay? But, so again, how do you process information? Naturally or spiritually? If you do it naturally, you're limiting God, you're, you'll be insistent to God, your heart will become hardened. And that's where most Christians, most people live. So how do we change this? See, most people, their hearts are dominated by the natural. Most people, their hearts are, are conditioned. 
by the natural. Most people, their hearts are controlled by the natural. So how do we change this? What's your focus? What are you focused on? See, <coughs> when you worry, all that worry comes from the heart. When you live in fear and unbelief, all that fear and unbelief comes from the heart. When you live out of anger, and you allow your emotions and your anger to control you, and you are just in a rage, that all comes from the heart. See, in Matthew, Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. In Mark, he says the same thing. From the heart, out of the heart. From within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All this comes from the heart. Okay? Bad behavior comes from the heart. And if our focus is not God, we're naturally minded, our heart is dead. And who's to say that? We can't go down this road sometimes. It's a road down this direction. Okay? See, all these things that are listed here, both here in Mark and also in Matthew, they're products, they're byproducts of the heart. They're being dominated, conditioned, and controlled by natural things, the heart. They're insensitive to God. They're limiting God. They're totally insensitive. They're not glorifying God as God and not being thankful. Their imaginations have become vain, and they come to the point where they are, their heart is just corrupt. Okay? But he speaks to us. Spirit to spirit. And if our heart is shut off to even listen to the Spirit of God, then we are totally insistent to God. We've totally been hardened to even listen to the Spirit of God. It's not even part of our lifestyle. It's not even... When's the last time you shut everything out and talk to God spirit to spirit? Just you, God. I'm all about going to church. But when have you, as a child of God, spent time allowing God to speak to you from spirit to spirit? And if it's been a long time, if you can't even remember, that's how insensitive you can become. I'm not here to get on your case. I'm here to wake you up. Okay? And if that's your, your heart becomes... See... What I'm trying to paint a picture of, your heart becomes sensitive to what you're focused on. Whatever you're focused on, you become sensitive to that. Your heart can become hardened, or your heart can become soft and vulnerable and sensitive to the voice of the Spirit of the living God who's speaking to your spirit. See, Let me say it this way. Your heart will become hardened to whatever you neglect. 
if you neglect God, you're more sensitive to natural things, but you're, ne you're neglecting the spiritual mind, the sense of God, your heart will become hard to the Spirit of God. You can flip that. If you become so sensitive to God, you spend time with God, you're glorifying God as God, you're being thankful, your imaginations are, you're meditating on God. You can be so focused on God and the Spirit of God, the mind of God, Spirit the Spirit of God, that you become hardened towards the world. You can become hardened to the news. You can become hardened to anything else that's not God. You can either become hardened towards God or you can become hardened to the world. But you can't have both. Being double-minded is unstable. Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. Sometimes you're looking cross-eyed. And you're unstable. But we're talking about practicing the presence of God. And when you practice the presence of God, you become insensitive to the world and you're tested to the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God. And you can do exploits in His name. <clears throat> So how do we fix this? We fix this by glorifying God as God, being thankful, which leads to our imaginations, the way we think. Our understanding becoming enlightened. And our heart being led by the Spirit of God. It's not darkened. It's lit up with the light of the world, the Spirit of the living God. Okay? See, when we glorify God, when we're when we magnify Him, when we value Him, everything I've shared the last three weeks, and that becomes a higher priority, when His Word becomes a higher priority, when His presence becomes a higher priority, when His Spirit becomes a higher priority, your life will change. See, when He's your focus, when he's your priority, when he's controlling your mind, the way you think, the way that you decide, the way that you live and have your being. When you're thankful because you're valuing God, you're glorifying God, you're so totally sensitive to God, you're insensitive to everything that's negative. When you focus on positive things, his word, what he said, what he's done, what he's promised, what he's done before, as your Ebenezer, thus far God has helped us. You're being reminded of the things of God perpetually. And you're, ne you're neglecting negativity. You're, neglect ne you're neglecting all the evil and downward pull of this world because you're so focused on glorifying God as God and glorifying and valuing what He says. You don't value what the world says. You value what He says. You value the Spirit of God and you can't go another day, another hour, another minute until, until you spend some time with your Abba, with your God, your guide, your helper. And him telling you things to come. When he has your attention, when he has your your when you're so sensitive to God, because you don't do anything without spending time in his presence, his word. You're so full of God that when a mosquito bites, he hears you praising God even in your blood. 
when you live this way, when you function this way, when God is your God, your imaginations will see God working. Even before you see it happen in the natural. Your imaginations aren't vain. Your imaginations are full of life and miracles. Your heart becomes so sensitive to God that miracles and doing exploits in His name becomes easy. The supernatural is just normal. But if you're neglecting God's presence, if you're listening to fear, doubt, unbelief, natural things, anger, criticism, the negativity of this world, you cannot be sensitive to God. You can't. See, you, could, you can retain knowledge intellectually with your natural mind. We've all crammed for a test. We've all crammed for that test in school. But you didn't retain it. But if you're not being dominant, we, you see, you can, you can retain the knowledge. We can have a discussion. You can answer all the questions right. But if you're not dominated by your Lord and your King and your God as God, you'll become insensitive. And your heart and your mind will become conditioned by natural things, which is death, not life and peace. So in other words, we need to refuse to be empowered by natural things. We're not empowered by natural things. We are empowered by the Spirit of the living God. We're empowered by His presence. See, I started this whole study by giving a testimony from Catherine Coleman that her secret was being in His presence all the time. She was not going to allow her natural life to empower her life. The same is true of Wigglesworth. The same is true of Andrew Womack. The same is true of many others that practice his presence and glorify him as God and be thankful. So how do we become, how do we stay sensitive to God? We, we understand, we've established the point that we need to be sensitive to God. How do we stay there? By glorifying God as God, praising Him always, being thankful always, being and staying in His presence. Okay? We need to put more value on Him, what He said, what He did. We need to put more value on His Word. <coughs> we need to spend more value on spending time with the Holy Spirit, our helper, our guide, our reminder. And the one who tells us things to come. Okay? We need to put more value on Him and our relationship and His presence more than anything else. You need to have more, you need to have more importance, more value on spending time with God than you brush your teeth, than you comb your hair, than you eat food, than you do anything else, even sleep. God needs to be your God. 
Okay? Be thankful. <coughs> Pay attention to him. Remember the victories. Allow the Holy Spirit to remind you. Allow the Holy Spirit to take you down memory lane and you just go down and you look at those trophies that the Holy Spirit done where God did this and God did that and God did this and God did that. Rehearse them. Rehearse the victories. Force your imaginations to be positive and not negative. If you don't want something birthed in your life, don't think about it. Don't allow... See, when you think about something, you can birth it into your imagination. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, imaginations is where thoughts take power. You can't always control the thought from coming in. But you don't have to meditate on it. You don't have to role play it in your mind. You don't have to say, what if this happened? I encourage you to dream. But use your imagination, not a vain imagination, but use your allow the word of God, the spirit of God, to paint an imagination and you role play that. Don't role play all the what ifs and the negative stuff. If you don't want something birthed, don't imagine it. Don't imagine it. Refuse to empower it. Pluck it out at seed form. Okay? Don't value, in other words, on the reversal side of that, value God. Glorify God. Magnify God. Thank Him. Remember Him, what He's done, what He said, what He's promised. Focus on God. Practice His presence. And don't let any other thing take your imaginations. Allow him to be your dominant thought. See, allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to guide you, to help you, to remind you, to tell you things of God, to tell you things to come. Practice his presence. See, when you start imagining, your thoughts are giving them power. The thought comes in, but then you start imagining, you start role playing. And don't tell me you don't know how to do this because we all do this all the time. We worry. We take a thought and we worry about it with fear. And we are allowing our imaginations and imaginations in a negative sense to role play all the what ifs that could happen. We are that's vain imaginations. That's that's dangerous. You are. It's like a seed in the ground. You are watering that seed so it can gestate and germinate and bring the thing that you don't even want to happen. The thing that you fear most happens. Don't, don't, don't play that. That's, that's wrong. That's dangerous. Refuse to empower those seeds. Refuse to empower that negative in your life. Empower the Word of God. Empower His presence in your life. All the time. 
Don't be dead in your mind. Be life and peace in your mind. Okay? And I want to piggyback on this life and peace. Let peace rule your mind. See, if we're struggling with faith, then we're struggling with life. We need, how do, how do we, if your faith is not working, you needed to be reminded who this is love. Because faith works by love. If you're struggling, then you need to get back into his presence so that he can love on you. He need to love on you till you squeak. Okay? Walk with God, who is love. Go to God. Hear God. Go to the Holy Spirit. Go to Jesus. Go to his word. Practice his presence. And get back into relationship. Get back into his love. And receive his love for you. So you can walk in faith. And so that he can be in life and peace. And peace spiritual way. Okay. See you again. Life and peace. I love this verse. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Always. This always needs to take place. You know, Andrew Womack, again in his book, Staying Full of God, he talks about, and I've heard him talk about this in other, other settings too, he I mean, this is one of his golden rules in his life. He won't go anywhere. He won't do anything unless he has peace. He doesn't care if you have to pull over and be late to a meeting. He's going to get back into peace or he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere without that peace. Whatever the cause, whatever the reason, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit warning him not to go forward. Not to get on the airplane, or whatever the case would be. Sometimes it's just his flesh, and he didn't get back into peace. But he's going to allow the peace to rule, to be Lord, to dominate, to dictate. And <coughs> whatever, we can change whatever is going on in a hurry to get back into peace. Because once you're out of peace, your imaginations, you're not, see, if you're not in peace, you're not glorifying God as God, you're not being thankful, your imaginations have become vain, and you are now in step four of your heart being darkened. Evolving. That peace needs to be there. If you don't know how to walk in peace, you will be stressed out no matter what is going on. We have to walk in peace. Okay? If you're truly in a bad situation, and I know some of us have been there, something tragic has happened, we're in a bad situation, that's still in your peace, then you, by the Spirit of the living God, need to change that situation immediately. Whatever it is that's keeping you from out of peace, then you change it. How beautiful are the mountains of the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace. 
When I go to a hospital room and I'm doing ministering to someone, the first thing I do is proclaim peace in that situation. Because the peace of God is going to rule that room while I'm there, at least. It's not about me. They can all do the same thing. But peace is going to rule in that place. And i got to proclaim salvation, and I'm going to declare that my God reigns. Because he's the God of peace. And we have the fruit of the Spirit, peace. Okay? It's the gospel of peace. Okay? And we, can, we need to change the situation and get back in peace. Whatever we got to do, get back in that peace. Get back into his presence. You can't have peace without his presence. But if you have his presence, I don't care what's going on, you can have peace. And you see, you can't make decisions and you can't make good decisions if you don't have peace. But he will keep a perfect peace. Those who mind and stand on them because he's trusting him. See, God speaks to you and he speaks to your heart, spirit to spirit, and that spirit has peace. See, many times in the years, Sherry and I, we've gone down a path, we've gone down, God told us to do something. But in that situation or that relationship or that that ministry, whatever with, the peace left. The peace returned. And either and we that's when Sherry and I have to get back into God's presence to take inventory of what lost that peace. Sometimes it's just we got off the mark, we got focused on other things or whatever the case may be. But sometimes that means in some situations God's just saying, it's time to get out of Dodge. Because the context that God said that was when he sent the 70, he sent out the 12, and he said, if, if your peace returns, to shake off the dust off your feet and get out of, out of town. I don't do that in a, in a protest to them. I do that in I got the peace has returned. We've had relationships go that way. We've got the way. The friendship was peace, peace, peace. All over. I mean, it was so peace, it was good. Our, our heart leaped. Because the fruit of the Spirit is peace and joy and love. But something happened when the peace returned. And it was, I don't know what happened. I might not know what happened. And we sought the Lord. If we had a, if it was something we did wrong and we needed to make it right, but sometimes it wasn't having anything to do with us, but it was something the Holy Spirit was like, okay, it's time for this, this relationship to end. Because we are going to Value what God says, the Spirit of God says, more than what anyone else says. We're all about reconciliation. And many of those times we've tried to reconcile, but they would not reconcile. I can't, we can't, you can't force someone to reconcile. And if someone's not willing to reconcile, first of all, they are, they are, I, 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 I can spend a lot of time with this, but I don't want to. But they can't, they, they're, they're not being sensitive to the Spirit of God. They're not being led. In that moment, in that situation, in that decision, in that hour, in that moment, they're not being sensitive to God. Because God is a God of reconciliation. Okay? And so, anyway, i got to get off that track right now. We need to let our hearts dominate us. And they're going to dominate us while we are in peace. If we don't have peace, then... Spirit of God is not part of the equation because the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Okay? And how do we get back? 
We need to start glorifying God as God, being thankful, allowing His peace and His presence to guard our imagination, fuel and feed our imaginations so that our hearts are not darkened, but they are enlightened. Okay. If you're not glorifying God as God, if you're not being thankful, then you will lose that peace. You'll lose that peace in your imaginations. You'll lose that peace in your hearts and your decisions. If you are not glorifying God as God, your heart has become blind. Just like the Gentiles and the fertility of their minds. Their, their understanding became darkened. Aided from the light of God. And the heart became blind. See, if you're alienated from the life of God, he's not your peace. You're not making decisions based on the Spirit of God, being sensitive to God. You don't spend any time in his word. You don't go, you don't, you never go to church. You never you know, you, I mean, those are just the basics. But you don't spend any time with God. And, and some of you you only spend an hour. Why don't you spend time with God all day long? I mean, there's times when Sherry and I, we're doing, she's doing chores in the house, I'm doing chores outside the house, we're still spending time together. <coughs> you don't always have to be in the same room to have a relationship. It helps, and we need to have time for that. But this is talking about those who've been alienated from the life of God. Why? Why are they alienated from the life of God? Why is their understanding darkened? Why are they walking like the Gentiles? Because their heart is blind. Okay? And this is where most Christians live. We need to glorify God as God, being thankful so that He can feel and feed our imaginations and our hearts. If we're going somewhere, we're doing something, you can take it just figuratively, and you can also take this literally. Sometimes we just need to pull over and park until we get back into His presence. You know, there, there, there's been times in my life, there was a time when I was still dating Sherry. We were going home from church. Her, her family was in the, in the van with us. We had an Astro van at the time. And we're driving, and God, the Holy Spirit just says, pull over, turn off the lights. Family was looking at me kind of weird. What are you doing? Why did you park here? We're, we want to go home. We're tired. And over the hill came this car flying. Uh, he was at least going 80, 100, if not more. I'm out there. I mean, when it, when it came past us, it shook the car. If we had not done what the Holy Spirit had told us to do, we would have been toast. We would not be here today. There's been many times I'm out of red light. The light turns green and the Holy Spirit says, don't go. I've had at least three encounters with that. Before I know it, someone came over the hill or someone came in and red, ran through the red light in the, in the opposite direction. When we learn to be sensitive to God, not only can it save our lives, but God can use us to do things that we never even knew could happen. When we are sensitive to God, we can always be at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And if we are out of peace, if we're not in sync with God, 
But sometimes we just need to park over and get into his presence until we get back in sync with God. And just because you get back in sync with God doesn't mean you leave his presence. It's not, you don't just check in to get, it's not like you plug in like a charger and now, now you go the rest of your day, uh, you know, until, until the battery runs low. No, you practice his presence all day long. Okay? God, see, God is speaking to everyone all the time. God is always speaking, but he's speaking to your heart. And most of us are not listening with our spiritual heart. We're trying to hear with our physical ears, but we're not listening to our spiritual heart. And if our heart is darkened, Alienate from the life of God, it will be hardened. It will be insensitive to God. See, our heart is where real wisdom is. And I'm, I'm wrapping this up, I'm almost done. See, it says in Corinthians that we have the mind of Christ. In Colossians, it says that. And, then we, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Our new man, our born-again spirit, is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Verse John 2, 20 says, And you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Naturally speaking, you don't know all things. How do I know that? Based on your last test that you took, whatever that was. You didn't know all things. But in your spirit, man, that has the mind of Christ, that has the knowledge of God, you know all things. And it's anointing from the Holy One. Unless you allow it, unless you allow this to become darkened, unless you allow your heart to become darkened, you won't perceive the things that you know spirit man. See, God speaks to your heart and through your heart. His presence. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's here. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And we have His fullness. We have all received. We all have his fullness. And when we know his love that passes knowledge, this is talking about when we know the love, when we have a relationship with God, intimacy with God, that surpasses intellectual knowledge. We reveal with all his fullness. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask to be according to his power that works in What's that power? His fullness. You can't get more powerful than the fullness of God. How do you get his fullness? Well, first of all, we all received it. By grace. And for grace. But we also feel we know we have a relationship with the presence of God. That surpasses intellectual knowledge. His presence is here. God never left. 
He said in Hebrews that he would never leave us or forsake us. He's here. And his fullness is here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to trust our hearts more than we trust our head. Spiritually speaking. Back in Proverbs, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Sorry, I was going somewhere else. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. We're going to spend a lot more time next week talking about meditating God's word as we kind of conclude this topic about passing his presence. How can we talk about passing his presence if we're not even going to talk about or prioritize being in his word? We need to have his word, the seed of his word, the presence of his word, because his word is not the ink, his word is a person. And we need to hide that word in our heart so that we don't sin. Going back, we just read this. I don't know why I had it on there twice, but we need to Keep his word in our heart. We need to pay attention to his words. What word? The written word. The spoken word. The, both the, the written word and the, and, the, and, the, and the rhema word of God. We need to we incline our ear to it. How can you incline your ear to it if you don't even spend time with him? Okay? We need to process that. We need to give attention to his word. We need to not depart from his eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them in health with all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issue of life. All the issues of life flow from your heart. And so we need to have in there his word. Everything about him. His presence. It's the most important thing. And we need to do all this with all diligence. With all diligence. Life comes from your heart. So we need to be in the Word more. We need to study more. We need to fellowship with God more. We need to pray in the Spirit more. We need to, some of us need to go to church more. And some of us need to spend more than 15 minutes or an hour a day. You need to spend a lifetime with Him. In His presence. What's your priority? What do you value? Are you going to glorify God as God? Or are you going to put other things in, 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 in the way of that? God must be number one. Okay? And he must be number one in our hearts, above our spouses, above our kids, above our jobs, above ministry. If you don't put God number one, you don't have a ministry. The best thing you can do for your marriage and your kids is God being number one. As parents, as grandparents, as an employer, as anyone of value in society, God must be number one. And we must learn to be still and know that He is God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. I want God exalted in this country. In all the nations. I want God exalted in all the earth. 
and it starts with me and you being still and knowing that he's God and glorifying him as God. That takes time. Like with any relationship, it takes time. Anything that anything that's your priority takes time. Anything that's your priority takes all your time. Both in quantity and quality. Sit and seek his presence. Rest in his presence. And it will transform how you receive. It will revolutionize your life. Pay attention to him speaking to you. Spirit to spirit. Be still. Listen. Be quiet. Be still in his presence. Don't do all the talking. Sometimes the best thing you can do in his presence is just shut up. Allowing God to speak. See, there's no, in one sense of the word, there's no microwave miracles. There's no shortcuts. There's no alternatives. If you are practicing his presence on a regular basis to the outsiders, they might look like microwave miracles. Because they're just popping up here and there. But behind the scenes, the root system that is underneath, the, 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 the foundation of the, that you've been passing to his presence all day and night long. And then when you come across a Goliath, it just happens like that. See, the whole Goliath scene didn't start there. It started with a man called David who had a heart for God and spent time in his presence. Okay? There's no microwave. But if you're not even, you don't, some of you don't even have any seed in the ground, let alone watering it. You haven't, you're not passing his presence. We need to sit in his presence. See, a baby learns to sit before it learns to crawl. It learns to crawl before it learns to walk and to run. We need to go back to the basics and sit in his presence. So we just need to lay in his presence. Forget the sitting. We just need to go back to just laying and being still and knowing that he is God. We need to glorify him as God. Being thankful so our imaginations can be fruitful and our hearts can be enlightened. We need to practice His presence. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen.